0: for joining me today and thank you for waiting for this episode to come out. In light of recent events of what's happened in the beer industry for the past month, I wanted to take my time. I wanted to take my time with this episode and listen and take care of myself for reliving some of my own trauma from when I was in the industry and then also just listen to stories and see how breweries were reacting. So for anybody that doesn't know, I'll go ahead and give a little background one month ago i think almost a month ago today Brienne at rat magnet she's a brewer based in massachusetts and she posted a story update on her instagram story and it just said a man is literally talking to me like i'm a dog right now and then she asked the question do male brewers ever get asked how do you learn to become a brewmaster in a condescending way And then she posted a question that started a domino effect in the craft beer industry. What sexist comments have you experienced? From there, she shared every single story and continues to today. From that, hundreds of breweries have been exposed for sexist behavior all the way to rape allegations. So there's a lot going on in the beer industry right now, as it should, this is way overdue. This has been going on for far longer than this movement, and it's not just specific to the beer industry, it's every industry. I'm glad it's happening, and today we are going to be talking to guests from all walks of life that are in all facets of the beer industry, so that way we can understand and answer some questions, which is, why now? Why are these stories being shared now? And then what are breweries doing to react to this? How are they reacting to these stories, these allegations, but also even breweries that maybe they they weren't named or didn't have any allegations, but they still want to make sure that any women that work there feel safe to work there. What steps are being taken in the beer industry? and then also we answer the question of how you can make change in your own way as a consumer or somebody whether you work in a tap room or whether you just really like craft beer what steps can you take to make sure that either your workplace are safe or make sure that you are frequenting establishments that are taking care of their employees and making sure that women are safe in their workplace so today first off we talk with beth Demon. she is a journalist and she talks to us about this movement in the industry and we also link to her article that's really great then we talk to jason pellet he is the owner of and brewmaster of orpheus brewing and we talk to him about what steps he takes in his brewery to make sure that women feel safe and talk to him about being a male ally and what other male allies can do and ways to listen then we talk with jen blair who recently resigned from a very prominent position with a very large brewery here in atlanta she penned a very public resignation letter and posted it on her instagram which exposed a lot of the abuse that she had to endure at her workplace and then we talk with joseph cortez the executive director of the craft brewers guild of Georgia and we talk about steps that are being made to make sure that this things like this don't happen again and if they do there are ways of reporting there are ways to hold people accountable that's the big thing is people being accountable for their actions I hope you all enjoy and thank you again for waiting for this episode <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on Bitch Beer Podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing fine, um, yeah. I, better than I have been the last couple of days. I have been fortunate to to cover kind of the the events of the past week for a couple of different outlets, so I do feel like it's been a bit of a catharsis, and so hopefully on the up and up. But I'm I'm feeling pretty good today.
0: That's great. And, and, you know, the nature of the interviews in this episode that is it's really it's not like my normal episode. You know, normally I'm talking about like happy things like, yay, women who work in beer. But now it's it's a different tone right now. I appreciate you coming on. I know that you're it's got to be very emotionally draining for you, but also just hearing the stories that you've heard and everything. So anyone who doesn't know who you are, could you please introduce yourself
1: and tell us about the article that you wrote? Sure. Well, my name is Beth Demon. I am a San Diego-based freelance writer and journalist that mostly uh, specializes in covering the culture of craft beer. So unfortunately, this type of work that has come out over the last week, uh, thanks to Brianne Allen on Instagram, uh, this type of work isn't totally new for me. I've been talking about racism, sexism, misogyny, things of that nature in craft beer for years. So unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, I suppose that gave me a bit of a leg up when it came to addressing these particular stories. But I also am the co-chair of the San Diego Brewers Guild Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. Oh, wow. I, I run a consulting and mentorship uh, initiative called the Diverse Beer Writers Initiative to hopefully break down barriers of entry into media for uh, people coming from marginalized communities who have historically been kept out of of media, which is a very white male-dominated industry. I'm a mom, and yeah, I've been doing this for a long time so if you um want to find out more about me bethdemon.com that's demon with an extra m.com <laughs>
0: that's great yes thank you so much i'm gonna p- i'll put a link to your website in the show notes as well so with this article this was on vine pair correct
1: Correct. Yes.
0: And so when you came across this topic, because um, on Instagram, uh, Brienne Adams um, at Rat Magnet, her Instagram is completely exploding right now. And all the stories that she's sharing, this is just bringing to light things that have been going on for a really long time. So when you approach this article, what was your, what was your thought process in getting involved in this article?
1: Honestly, it's not even a, a choice really for me to not chime in when these types of things happen and not these types of things have happened. These types of public call outs and consumer backlash and industry backlash have happened before numerous times. We saw it when founders had a racial discrimination lawsuit. We saw it when Boulevard was accused of sexual harassment and discrimination. These types of things and conversations aren't new, but when this particular uh, episode started to kind of unravel I was approached by VinePair because I've written for them a number of times before, often covering some of the, the controversies that I just mentioned and they asked me to cover it. And so this was fairly early on in, in the process of uh, Brianne's sharing of her stories of, of those stories. And so it really just, it wasn't even a question. It, 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 when these types of things happen, they have to be discussed. They have to be magnified. And I'm shocked at the volume of the stories that came out. I'm shocked at the response of shock from people who, who truly did not seem to think or recognize that these things were going on. Uh, so hopefully this particular episode takes away that excuse. There's no reason not to know what's going on.
0: I agree. That's the, the focus is this is happening all the time. And just because maybe you don't think it's happening at your brewery or in your community doesn't mean that it's not an excuse to talk about it and to make sure that, first and foremost, that women feel safe when they come into your facility. I think you are the perfect person for this article, and I'm so glad that they reached out to you for that because, it, you know, you've spoken about these sort of issues for, for years now. Before becoming a writer, what was your role? Were you in the craft beer industry? What was your role in the industry?
1: So I have worked in hospitality and beer in in a number of different places. I did the whole waitressing and bartending in college gig. I catered for many years. I bartended while I was doing that as well. Um, I did do some events at breweries. Uh, I used to do the farmer's market booth for modern times years and years and years ago. Wow. so so I have mostly in my professional career been covering it as a journalist, but I have absolutely been involved in uh, beer and hospitality in general for I, I don't even know. I mean, God, when was college over <laughs> 10 years ago? <laughs> so so, yeah, I, I've, I've done my time behind the bar. I've, right. I've done my time changing kegs, but it's it's certainly been a while.
0: And, you know, you made the switch over to being a writer. What inspired you to become a writer?
1: I've always been a writer. It was something that <laughs> I've I've been good at or at the very least interested in or done mm-hmm. since, since I was a kid. And back in, gosh, the mid-2000s, I suppose, I was, like so many other people, a food blogger just for fun. Thought it was a fun thing to do, and it was just something that I did kind of on the side and when i moved to san diego in 2008 uh, that was kind of happy accident same time that the second wave of craft beer was really kind of starting to take off here in san diego and in 2015 the local alt weekly san diego city beat which is now closed um, they were looking for a new beer columnist and so i thought well what the heck i can do that as a side gig right one column about beer every other week. And so I applied, got the gig and then it snowballed from there. Um, And in 2016, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm splitting my time with my nine to five marketing job and these, you know, increasing freelance writing opportunities are arising. If I don't at least give going full-time freelance a shot, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. And so in 2016, I left my nine to five to pursue full-time freelance writing and uh, have never looked back.
0: That's amazing. That is, congratulations, because that is a huge step to make and it's so terrifying. So that is really amazing. And you're covering such an important story is is so amazing. I'm so happy that you're one of the voices that we have to be able to speak for everybody. And that's, these articles are so important because I, a lot of women are feeling so alone right now. And just feeling so uh, just defeated. So to be able to see this article and these people coming to light, these breweries being held accountable is is really, really, really important right now. So one thing that has been really on my mind about this is the amount of women who used to hold positions in beer and craft beer and went, the amount of women who are no longer in the industry because of situations like that. this that went unreported and they didn't feel like they could what would you think is your advice for women who have left the industry or women who are even thinking of coming into the industry what do you think they should look for in a brewery or in a, a place of business where they they want to get involved to make sure that they're safe
1: well I just want to say that this is not a beer specific problem very good thing. this is. Yeah. And I even tweeted about it uh, the other day. You know, there's no point in leaving beer because these are the same problems that women face in any male dominated industry, tech, sports, uh, you know, auto mechanics, whatever it is. And the only real difference that I could even possibly point to is the fact that alcohol exacerbates problematic behavior that already exists. It doesn't cause it. But it certainly amplifies the dangers that people face, uh, the same as they would in any industry. So I would encourage women or non-binary people or anybody coming from a marginalized community who is interested in being a part of the craft beer community, that although it seems discouraging right now, it seems toxic right now, and that's absolutely true, I wouldn't say that it's any better or worse than any other place and until society as a whole addresses these issues everybody will suffer and so i do encourage people to if you are interested in in participating it please please do so and just look for signals that it's a place where you are welcome are there women working there are is their marketing inclusive do they have people of color working there uh have they contributed to char- charitable initiatives or progressive initiatives do they have a sign that says all are welcome here racism homophobia sexism is not tolerated do they have a code of conduct are they talking about these things on social media and so you know some of these things can be facades of pr- progressivism i mean look at what's happening at modern times right now they've really touted themselves as a leader and and now people are holding them accountable to what they said they were going to do and i think that's the difference in in craft beer right now as well we've all heard you know the the 99% asshole free comment and i think that that kind of cognitive dissonance of what people in beer say it is and what the reality is that's what's finally crumbling and i think uh i i personally welcome the walls being torn down because it's necessary it's it's necessary and it's overdue
0: Right. I think that these are amazing points to bring up because I know there's a lot of breweries. It's it's kind of like putting that black box on your Instagram profile. It's like you're just doing it to check a box instead of actually like putting actionable steps forward. So I think the points that you brought up looking for inclusive marketing, looking for how many women work there and codes of conduct. I think that's these are really amazing things to look for that are digging deeper than the surface than just like putting up a post on social media. So uh, I Thank you for mentioning those. That's really good. What do you hope happens next?
1: So I actually went on a, a San Diego news podcast yesterday, and I'll tell you what I said to them when they asked me that same question. And first and foremost, women just need to be treated with basic human dignity and respect. Things microaggressions like commenting on somebody's appearance or Asking if they're the brewer's girlfriend instead of assuming that, oh, my gosh, maybe a woman could be a brewer. Things like that at face value aren't at the same level of sexual harassment, toxic masculinity, uh, culture that has been perpetuated by upper management, sexual assault, rape of course, there is a spectrum of things that we can no longer tolerate. And so, yes, I would love for women and non-binary people and all marginalized and oppressed people to not be raped and not be harassed and not be discriminated against. But it starts with little things. It starts with those comments. It starts with those jokes. So I hope that women feel empowered to stand up for themselves in a way that they haven't always felt supported or been able to. I mean, a lot of these things have not been reported. Many of them have been reported, and HR has turned a blind eye. And if if leadership is rotten, then there's no way that it's going to trickle down to the people doing the day-to-day stuff in the breweries or the bars or the restaurants or what have you. So right. uh, just bottom line, treat us like human beings. Treat us with respect. Treat us with dignity. And you will be repaid tenfold because it's not a lot to ask, but apparently it's a lot to give.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, and Beth, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and sharing your perspective. Um, it's it's really great to to finally meet you. I've been a huge fan of yours for a while, so um, having you on the podcast is great. And um, so, thank you for sharing all of this. Is there anything else you'd like to like to end on as we close out the interview?
1: Just that it's it's not me, it's not Brianne. Um This is a chorus of voices. Many, many people have talked about this for a long time. Um, I mean, I'd love to give shout outs to people like Tony and April Boyce who have been talking about racial discrimination in craft beer for years and years and years. Um, other writers like Kate Burnett who just does an absolutely amazing job of really diving into these investigative reports and covering them for the industry at large. There have been so many people who have come before this, I appreciate that people are starting to take notice, but I'd be remiss if I claimed that I was the single voice who's been screaming about this for years, (laughs) there have been there have been so so many and I just appreciate that people are finally starting to listen.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'll go ahead and include links to um, the people that you just
2: talked about.
0: Thank you again to Beth Demon for coming on. Um, she is on Instagram at the delighted bite. Bite is spelled B-I-T-E, and she's a freelance writer for beer, food, everything in between. Uh, She's been one of my favorites for a while, so I'm really happy to have her on. Next up is Jason Pellet from Orpheus Brewing. This interview was outside. It was actually a really beautiful day. Um, But yes, it's outside, so there's lots of birds chirping and a little bit of wind, so I don't have the budget yet to have like a full sound guy coming along with me with really good equipment, so enjoy the sounds of nature.
2: So I am sitting
0: here outside, it's beautiful weather, at Orpheus Brewing, and I'm here with Jason. Jason, go ahead and introduce yourself.
3: Hey y'all, I'm Jason Pellet, um, CEO, brewmaster at Orpheus Brewing, and thanks for coming out.
0: Yeah, of course, thank you for having me. And um, really the topic of the week, because you almost didn't want to come on the podcast, which I, you know... I understand you know you wanted this to be more of a conversation specifically about women and everything I think it's important because you are an ally and as someone who is influential in the industry um, just to speak on like what you all have done um, and specifically I reached out to you because you, you all have been so vocal on social media about everything that's coming out with you know with Rat magnet and all these stories and everything mm-hmm. so um, what inspired you to be so vocal on social media?
3: I hate to see, I've actually like for a long time, as long as I can remember, I, I've had this weird sense of power imbalance, like just power structures mm-hmm. and um, just sense of like where the, power, where the power is in a relationship, you know, whether it's, you know, like a, whether just a, just a random like, you know, paths crossing you know the experience there or you know in a workplace or relationships you know Mm -hmm. anything like that and um, so I don't know I feel like I've always been aware of when those relationships that power is abused Mm -hmm. so I have a weird relationship with power
0: well, and I think that's a really interesting issue to bring up because it is sort of, it's it's men and people of power abusing their power mm. and using that as a way to, oh, this is the good old boy system, so, oh, I don't answer to anybody because I'm my own business owner. So um, being in the position that you are, what do you try to do? Because um, you do have power in this, in, in this industry I and do. in this brewery.
3: And it's not, you know, it's not just here. I mean, I have more visible power here than I ever did in the past, but, you know, I did, you know, it was obvious from early on that people I do have power whether you know I'm comfortable with it or not you know it's there right and so it's a question of for one making sure that in all relationships and all interactions understanding how that affects the interaction Mm -hmm. and just knowing that I I can actually step into situations because I mean the power is there so it's like how do you use it
0: Well, and so being in the position of power that you are in the leadership that you are, what do you do to convey here specifically at Orpheus um, that you're a person that people can talk to or what what do you try to do to make people in this in this company feel comfortable?
3: Um, You know, it's taken a long time, I think, because I'm not I'm not actually a great communicator. As, like, every single person on staff would agree. I think
0: that anybody (laughs) who does say that they are a great communicator probably isn't a good
3: communicator. (laughs) I don't know. It means you're
0: trying. But uh, I
3: can't even actually say that I'm trying a lot of it. It's, (laughs) you know, it's one of, like, I actually have, when I'm overloaded, the first thing that I know just, I'm not, I'm just going to cut out of what I'm doing is communicating. Mm -hmm. It's, like, not on purpose. It's just that's what goes um but so it's it's taken a long time because we actually I mean we still have work to do here you know a lot of here it's not actually so much we should develop more um of a plan for these types of things right but this has been just a over the long term developing a culture right I mean I think you know I think they're both important right Um, I think the culture takes longer and I think is more deeply ingrained than a plan but you know you have to have the plan
0: And what what sort of company culture have you cultivated here at Orpheus?
3: uh, I think just respectful. And it comes primarily, you know, it starts with how I interact with everybody. Mm -hmm. I am going to, no matter where you are in the company, I'm going to talk to you with respect. Right. When I see people here talk to anybody else without that, you know, I approach them. I was like, I wouldn't talk to anybody else like that. You Mm -hmm. certainly can't. I wouldn't talk to you like that. I wouldn't talk to any of these people like that and it's just that's not what we do here right so it's establishing that and it, it, it does take a while i think i i mean looking back there are times that i things i don't know how long they're actually below the surface before they were brought to me um you know just a little like a bartender who has made all the women just like
0: creep out creep out Yeah.
3: and you know it, it was happening for a while before anybody mentioned it to me and it was like you know like
0: How did you react when they brought it to you?
3: I talked to the, I mean, you know, I got stories from anybody who wanted to talk, which was a few of them and you know, and then sat the guy down, talked to him for a minute, but you know, I let him go.
0: Good. Yeah.
3: It was like, this is a, you can't explain your way out of this. Mm -hmm. Every single person like interacted with you in this way has the same story. So.
0: And you don't know until someone brings it to you too. So. And uh, so do you feel like you've created a a culture and where anybody feels like they can come to you with any sort of, anything that makes them uncomfortable?
3: I think so. I mean, but it is tough. I mean, that power thing, people are still, I find it weird and uncomfortable, but people are intimidated by me in a way. I don't think, I don't, it's hard to explain. Um, People do come to me with things. I mean, but I think, you know, we've established that people who still work here, you know, are people that, want to be in this kind of culture right and so you know I think it's been quite a while since I've actually seen any serious issues I mean you always have to like you know there's always like emotions are there and you know right. things you know is but, but as long as long as nothing rises above like a little thing said here that wasn't really meant or you know and just it's uh you just have to be vigilant
0: Because you are, you know, Orpheus is one of the first craft beer breweries out here in in Atlanta and one of the original ones that a lot of people go to. So being in this position as a brewery, what do you want, what influence do you want to have on other breweries and the brewing industry in general of creating this company culture where people feel comfortable to talk to each other and empower themselves about standing up for themselves?
3: I mean, I think the first thing and what I was trying to do um, on social media is first basically have to stand up mm-hmm. you know it started I didn't expect when this when when Brian started putting all the stuff out mm-hmm. you know I expected there to be more of a an industry wide you know standing with her she was out there alone mm-hmm. taking all of the incoming shots and which is you know she's She is industry she has you know she's industry but she's she's one and this is a you know the people talking about it are like the consumers and you know some of the lower level people working mainly and I'm not you know wasn't seeing it from the actual from management from breweries themselves coming out and it's without the actual breweries saying that we're not going to accept this without them putting themselves on the line like setting an expectation for themselves with the public that these things are not allowed here. Right. If we see that you're somebody who has reported these kinds of things you know been in these situations that's not going to make you that's not that's not a uh, mark against you Mm -hmm. you know because that's you know people worry about that I um you know I had this is actually a guy but he got physically assaulted at a brewery and you know he didn't want to he told me um but he was like you can't tell anybody nobody can know that I said this and I don't want my name involved because I don't want people to think about me as that guy that got punched yeah and well, don't and, want and don't want to bring that to a brewery I might want to work at later you know
0: well and that's an, a big thing too is I, I was talking about this earlier with somebody where it's not just women you know it, w- women of course we bear the brunt of it but yeah it's men too everybody deserves to be treated with with respect and feel safe at their work environment mm-hmm. a very valid issue to bring up and a good point to bring up so um, so that's
3: why I think the first thing is just like as an industry the the actual people with power in the industry have to say that it will not be held against you. You know, you are more than the thing that happened to you.
0: Right. I love that. I think that that's a really important standard to set across the industry is, you know, um, a a lot of women that I've spoken with, they had something happen to them. And when they're asked why they're leaving where they were, they they say, I'm not comfortable there. Mm -hmm. And then now at this new place, they're labeled someone who's a troublemaker or someone who's going to call them out on if you know they're uncomfortable there so what do you think breweries can do to make women feel comfortable when they come in to to work there or just know that they're gonna feel safe i
3: mean i I think i think everything starts with i mean a lot of things that can be done just kind of broadly i mean it starts with like how do you hire Mm -hmm. you know are you hiring from a boys network Mm -hmm. are you putting out job posts everywhere what's in your job post are uh, you putting in like in every single job post in your brewery that you have to lift 50 pounds? I actually read something recently that's made me rethink like all of our job postings in the last few months are not like compared to what they used to be. That women will respond to job postings where they meet at least 90% of the requirements listed. Oh, wow. And men will respond if they meet at least about 40%.
0: <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. No, me neither. It's like, so what,
3: you know, when you're making a job listing, like, be careful. What? How many things are you just throwing in there for your, you know, ideal candidate nobody's actually going to have all of that because the woman's not going to apply right if it seems like there's too many qualifications that um she doesn't meet the guy would be like i can do some of those things yeah and it's just you know i
0: can learn the rest
3: (laughs) right and so what's really critical for the role Mm -hmm. i think and then
0: that's a really good point to make because i think that's what a lot of breweries struggle with sometimes is they're like, well, well, we'll hire women. It's not that we won't, but women don't apply. So right. I think that's a really good and note to It is. To me. I mean, like,
3: we, we struggle with that, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I wish it was more diverse here in every way. Mm-hmm. You know, and this has been, I mean, this started going back when we started thinking about when we started the Leadership Diversity Program last year. Mm-hmm. Um, was just, that came from, like, thinking about, you know, we used to have, actually, when we opened for... thought it was something that we were doing but I think it was just luck when we started that that's the people who were working in the tap room was a very diverse crew right there's a lot of birds out
0: I know it's so beautiful (laughs) nice little background noise for everybody (laughs) Um,
3: but and I realized I was looking around six years later I'm like what happened here and I think it's just that there was too much people that were here just hiring you know like hiring managers hiring people that they knew in the industry and that's just you know makes for pretty insular hiring so I really started thinking about then because in like in yeah how do how do we get people to apply right and it's tough Mm -hmm. here because you know and I think part of it is people don't expect much in the way of growth or professionalism or you know a (laughs) career path in this industry you know there's a lot to work on
0: no I think that's great and I think acknowledging that there is a lot to work on but also seeing it from that perspective of from somebody who is applying and who is looking for a job like how how do we look to people who are applying how do we attract people who are more right. diverse how do we fill these how do we and not just checking a box a diversity hire but how do we actually find qualified candidates that would want to work here
3: right and that wasn't it's not why I posted anything in the last few days of
0: course not yeah
3: but I mean I had one of the I'm not gonna say a name here but um, one of the people that I've looked up to in the industry for a while like if somebody would have asked me who do you wish could work with you I would have said this person but I was like well lucky brewery that has her and she reached <laughs> out to me yesterday
0: that's awesome
3: and so I, I think that does like making sh- being um, vocal about where you stand on things I think does end up that's good business yeah I think and just attracting the right people
0: well and because a lot of times with businesses i go straight to their instagram or their social media i mean especially now because of the pandemic everybody's hours are changing and google is not accurate, so i'll check it out but being able to see like what is your company culture based on your social media because we're not just selling beer we're selling a lifestyle we're selling what are we about right um and seeing company social media like are they posting with just a bunch of white people? Or is it just, you know, is it, does it look like a lot of people go here and enjoy it? So I I think that's a really good point to make. What do you hope happens next? With what Brienne and Beth and Mm -hmm. all these people coming forward, all these stories, I feel like this is the beginning of the conversation and not the end. It's more of like the beginning of some action. So what, what, what do you hope, what action do you hope happens moving forward to make sure that there is accountability for women that are for anybody that is not safe in a brewery or just sexism in general
3: yeah I mean I think uh we were talking before the show you know setting up some guidelines for how to professionally react to these situations Mm -hmm. would be really useful for you know the kind of breweries that because you know I think most people there's it's totally untrue that craft beer is 99% asshole free but there are a lot of good people <laughs> there are know? there are a lot of great and, people. and but even good people without structure in place for how to deal with uncomfortable situations mm-hmm. will just let it go so I think putting that structure in place is really important for the people that want to be better but don't know how right so I think that is probably the first step like is a, code just, yeah, a, code a code of ethics yeah a code of ethics like here, here in these situations how do you respond?
0: Right, and so for here specifically, so you know what happens if your one of your beer tenders is uh, a customer makes them uncomfortable, what do you do in that situation?
3: Yeah, I mean for here, it's I have the customer is not right here. Um, <laughs> I I will protect my staff over any customer interaction, so mm-hmm. the the customer will be asked to leave. Good, and, and that's th- like a pretty low tolerance for you know you don't need to be here
0: yeah no, I think that's a really good standard to have because, you know, um, that's one thing that keeps coming up is, you know, you can't like, what if you get sexually harassed by a customer? You can't report them to HR. So it's like, what do you, what do you do in that instance? So it's good to have that zero tolerance policy of you'll get kicked the fuck out.
3: Yeah. Cause we don't, we don't need you here. Like you're making other people uncomfortable. You're bad for business. Even, <laughs> you know, like, so, so much of this is it's, it's, it's so bizarre because not only is it just bad. It's bad for business. So it doesn't matter what angle you approach it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, like you said earlier, I can't believe we still have to talk about this shit in 2021. I I know.
3: I mean, because it's, you know, (laughs) I don't know. I'm at a loss of words sometimes about it's just some of this. It just doesn't make sense to me. Right. You know, it's like gone back to those seeing power relationships really young. Like, um, it's like, I don't know why they're like this. Yeah. They are. And, well, and I think and people take it. People, people like power. Yeah, you know, there are not everybody's like me that's uncomfortable with it. And I, <laughs> you know, it's not that I'm always uncomfortable with it. I like being able to put things in motion. But you know, it's like power over people. You know,
0: that's <laughs> weird. No, I completely get that. It's it's a weird position to be in. But also, like, it, you're uh, people who are uncomfortable with power should be in positions of power because that's how you distribute it. Evenly, and that's how you can be empathetic to people right. around you. So, well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate thanks you over. Yeah, thanks for being an ally, and yeah,
2: keep doing what you're. All
0: right, and thank you to Jason again for coming on the podcast. I definitely wanted to talk with him, like we said in our interview, Orpheus was one of the first breweries to come out and speak about how big of a deal this is and why other breweries should be joining this movement and not just joining, but also speaking up and saying that they are in support of this movement and women. So I definitely wanted to have him on. Orpheus is one of my favorite breweries in Atlanta. One of them, I don't have a favorite because I don't pick favorites, but Orpheus is great. They've always been on the forefront of diversity and inclusion. And there's a lot of breweries here in Atlanta that are that. So it's really great. That's one thing about this industry here in Atlanta is we do have so much diversity and we have so much inclusion and why this movement is so important especially here in Atlanta. I still consider us a relatively newer beer market with the way that we're growing so it makes it to where we can change with it. I wanted to have Jason on as a brewery owner because I want all of us to be able to look at other breweries and what they're doing. Are they sharing stories about what's happening? Are they sharing resources? Are they speaking out? If something did happen in their brewery, how are they reacting to it? Are they taking it on and reflecting, or are they in denial about it? I know there's a good mix, so I want everybody to be able to know the difference between being in denial, and being defensive versus actually taking the feedback and trying to better your company and make sure that you have a better work environment for your employees. So being on the lookout for that right now because we vote with our dollars. Next up, we have Jen Blair on the podcast. She just resigned from a brewery. I will not name it because I don't want them to sue me. Um, They're kind of assholes. And I really don't want to be sued by them because I don't have any money. Anyways, with Jen Blair, Jen Blair is an amazing human in this industry anyways. She's on the forefront of being a woman in beer, making sure that she's creating opportunities for other women in beer. Specifically with her interview, she talks about why she left her position, what led her to do a public resignation letter, and then also what is going to happen next, what she hopes happens next. That's a pretty bold move on her part, which I absolutely champion. And if there's any other women out there who are in a similar position, and I hope that this episode is helpful and helps you see what next steps you can take as well.
2: Um, and we have Jen Blair joining us on the
0: podcast. Hi, Jen.
4: Hi. Thank you for having me. Of
0: course. Thank you so much. And specifically with what everything that's been going on, you made up in the right direction, I feel. Um... So Jen, you were formerly employed by a very large brewery here in Atlanta, and then how about you just give us the rundown of of what happened and and where you are now?
4: Sure. So yes, I was for you know nearly um, two years, and with the the movement that you know the Me Too movement happening in the craft beer industry right now, obviously as a woman in the industry, it affects me on a very personal level. I have a very vested interest in making sure that. Where I work is doing what they can to address and remediate sexist behavior as well as racist behavior. So, w- this has been an interesting past year, right? Because we've seen uh, just a year ago, black squares going up on social media and mm-hmm. people, breweries saying they're going to brew the Blackest Beautiful beer and they're going to make all of these changes. And really, where are they now with those changes right. and with those efforts? And then with this Me Too movement happening with women in the brewing industry. Um, seeing a lot of those same sorts of uh, reactive well, we'll do this, this and this, and and now we care. and you know, then it's you're you have to wonder about the motivation behind it. Outside of my former job, I'm involved in a lot of different efforts aimed at breaking down barriers within the brewing industry for, women for people of color, for for as much as my me, my name means, it means a lot to me, my reputation, and being out in the industry doing so much to help make it a more equitable place for marginalized groups, you know, traditionally marginalized groups in the brewing industry. And really just realizing that my name was potentially going to be attached to... Uh, performative actions and that's something that I really can't have that's I, I've dedicated you know my non-working life as well as a portion of my working life to making the brewing industry more equitable and I couldn't really in good faith continue to do those actions knowing that this was also another potentially going to be a part of my professional life wow. so I made the decision to leave And um, yes, it was very scary. I'm very fortunate to have a very supportive husband who and and a very supportive just network of people. I've been amazed at the number of people who have reached out or spoken up to support me or, you know, sometimes I'll just get a DM that just says solidarity from somebody in the brewing community. Yeah. Um, So just being amazed at that amount of support that has come out of that because it definitely wasn't An easy decision, but I I have, you know, have that unique perspective as many people in the brewing industry have of seeing what breweries did a year ago, how they responded to the murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter protests Mm -hmm. and that movement. And then, you know, and then this coming less than a year later and it's leading everybody to say oh yeah what did you what did you actually do last year and then what are you saying you're going to do now so i think that's been a very positive thing as for what i'm doing now i am unemployed so if anybody (laughs) has a job for me i would appreciate that i've been working with a lot of the the women who have come together in the background to develop resources and what, what do people need to know? You know, what does say you have somebody who's very quick to threaten to sue? What does defamation mean? Um, What, how, you know, when, yeah. When do you, how do you find an attorney? How do you find, you know, like something like a legal services or legal aid organization? How do you work with your fellow employees to speak up within your company and ask for action you know, a lot of times these are power structures. So right. the not all the time, but you know, managers, people who are higher up abusing that power structure. So it's not as easy as just going to your manager to report it because what happens when your manager is the person treating you in a certain way? So how do you right. work together with your coworkers to demand action and demand better treatment? So working to get all of those resources together and making them as, you know, spreading that support as far and wide as we possibly can is has been like the majority of my past week and a half.
0: There's so many things to unpack here because first off, you have such an amazing reputation in the industry, in the brewing industry, and for you to make such a bold move, it's really inspiring I mean, inspiring doesn't even seem like a good enough word for that because you're putting your money where your mouth is. You are really, truly walking the walk, demanding change in the sense that you're willing to sacrifice your own comfort and your own job and livelihood to make sure that that happens. Yeah. Everybody at home, round of applause, unless you're driving a car, um, <laughs> and then snaps or something that you can keep your hands on the wheel. Right. Um,
4: honk your horn, <laughs>
0: honk your horn in solidarity. This is amazing. I, I mean, there so many people that sometimes people just don't know where to start so for for you, you you're you're fed up and you you want change and now you're putting people in a position where they see you but now you're setting things up to where they can change and here's some resources for you where you can make that happen because a lot of times with these restaurants breweries anything a lot you're absolutely right a lot of times when they're reporting something it's usually to their boss and usually the person who's responsible for those actions and behaviors so exactly i think it's really really amazing and so this is so this is what's happened and that is incredible so let's go back so anybody who isn't familiar with you or what you do in the beer industry how did you get started in the beer industry
4: so i actually came to the beer industry from the legal industry i have been a home brewer for several years was wanting to move into the beer industry. But the jobs I was seeing were, you know, mostly brewers, mostly salespeople, and neither one of those really resonated with me. Really, you know, I sat down one day and I wrote a job description, like what would I want to do if wow. I could do if I could like create this and doing that really helped me focus on one seeking out those edu- educational opportunities and volunteer opportunities to build those skill sets that I would need. Also, when I saw Jobs there were so many then that it was like this. This sounds like a cool job. It's not for me. This is where my focus is, and that really enabled me to have my first full time job in the brewing industry, which was as the executive director of the Craft Maltsters Guild of North America. Um, so that was a lot of education and advocacy for small scale maltsters um, in the. In, in, it began in the United States. Is now an international organization. And so that was a good move that had, you know, that encompassed a lot of skills I already had and then skills that I had built. Um, And then looking beyond that, I was thinking I would like to be more in, you know, in a brewery in the industry rather than on the supply side. Um, I still love the supply side and I definitely miss it. Um but then i'd i seen the the job opportunity with program coordinators. So it was a lot, again, going back to that job description I' had written myself a few years earlier, there was a lot in common with that, uh, the same way there had been with the guild. right. And at that time, I was in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and you know had got the job and moved down to Atlanta. Um, which is where I, I still am. Yeah, you know, outside of that, I'm also on the governing committee for the American Home Brewers Association. That's amazing. The, That's yeah, huge. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I was just reelected to my second term um, oh, on the chair of the industry. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, chair of the industry subcommittee. On there, I also homebrewcon seminar selection committee. Uh, because one thing you know, when I say like I'm an advocate, I I, every room I walk into, I'm I'm advocating for for women, for marginalized groups to be more involved, and that was a conversation that I had had with the AHA is how do we break down barriers? You know, one of the ways we can do that is recruiting diverse people to speak on a variety of topics, so we don't. Only have women talking about what it's like to be a woman in the home brewing industry.
0: Yeah,
4: uh, you know, or the the history of women in brewing, and all of that is fantastic and, and definitely needed. But recruiting more people speaking on a, a wider variety of topic—if you see someone who looks like you on stage—that's something that. Within the brewing industry, within a lot of industries, you know, dominated by white men, everything is for you and has always been for you. Right. And you don't understand how deeply it resonates when you see someone who looks like you on stage speaking, you know, having these same experiences that you have. So that was a big part of being on the seminar selection committee was recruiting speakers from new and different areas, getting different types of proposals in. And then also recruiting new people to be on the seminar selection committee and, you know, and asking questions and helping develop some of these proposals within the AHA. That's some of the things that I do. I also have a beer and brewing podcast that I co-host called false bottom girls.
0: I love it. What's the name of your podcast again for people who don't know
4: it?
0: False bottom girls.
4: Nice. Yes. That's so
0: much fun. How long has your podcast been going on now?
4: Uh, We were coming up on two years. Congrats. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yes. And it was the same thing. I I co-host with my good friend, Rachel Hudson, who's the owner and head head brewer at Pilot Brewing Company in Charlotte. She and I are both advanced Cicerones. And we were talking about, you know, when it comes to beer and brewing podcasts, there aren't that many, there aren't any that I'm aware of technical brewing podcasts that are hosted by women. Right. And you know, there's a ton of. of, I mean, obviously, we're on one. There's a ton of great beer and brewing podcasts out there, um, but it's still male dominated. There's not a a lot of women's voices being heard. It's true in the areas of technical brewing, in you know, and just even beer enthusiasts. There's there's not a lot. So, looking around and saying, well, why shouldn't why not us? Why shouldn't we be the voice um, who's doing this? So, yes, we have false bottom girls, and I'm sure I'm, I'm forgetting. I. I really am all beer all the time. Oh, and then the very (laughs) last thing that I will talk about is the um, beer judge training that I'm doing this summer. It's a free virtual training for women wanting to learn more about becoming beer judges. Oh, I love Um, that. Yes. Yeah. I am. I'm a national BJCP judge. I'm waiting on my last round of test results to see if I advance to master um, BJCP judge. But again, frequently I'm the only woman at the table when I'm at a beer judging competition, and uh, the only woman at my table. And, you know, that's another way that you that that can change is women not realizing that some doing something like beer judging was accessible to them, right? Uh, So doing the virtual training, when I had been floating the idea for a while, I thought maybe 40 or 50, people would sign up. And to date, I've had almost 700 women. Sign ah, up. That's
0: amazing. Wait, yes. that is so cool. Well, now I want to sign up too. Cause I mean, yes, definitely. I yes. think that'd be so much fun. <laughs> well, I get asked to be a judge all the time and I, I'm like, sure. And then I get there and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing.
4: <laughs> right. Well, and you're you're not alone in that. And that's what I've told so, so many women too, is like, don't, you know, we're, we're so used to assuming, um, particularly in something, again, that's male dominated that, you know the the man at the table is the authority and right. that's not that's not the case yeah. always and beer judging is just a fun and educational thing to do that desperately needs more voices you know the beer world itself you know who is coming up with the beer style guidelines who is coming up with the sensory language right. all of those things need to diversify and have more voices involved so the beer judge training was one way that i you know, recognize that. Hey, I have a service that I can offer here. And again, when you see someone who looks like you teaching you about something, that's a completely different experience. Um, so that has that's been going great, and we've had uh, already women like signing up to take their beer judging exams, and signing up to judge in competitions and get that experience and reporting back to other women in the group about their really positive experiences, which. Only further encourages more women to sign up and do it.
0: I think that's amazing. Um, I'll go ahead. I'll grab that link from you. Uh, there's a link in the show notes to um how to get info on that judging program because I think that's an yes. amazing resource. And uh, well, and that's the thing. It's like t- it's one thing to say that hey, something needs to change. Something needs to change. This isn't right. But what you do is it's like you're not only changing and being the change, but you're paving the way so other people can also take part. So it's, I'm not just going to join this judging committee or judge training. I'm going to show other people how they can do it too. Or I'm not just joining the AHA. I'm going to show other people how they can join too. And that's what I think we need more of is people not just, I I think like right now, I I think these stories coming out is amazing and it's exactly what we need. We need more people who are like, okay, these things are happening. Here's how we're going to change it. So that way it doesn't happen again and also if it does happen we have better processes in place to handle it exactly and then another big thing you're also with pink boots society as well which is i i just joined myself
4: yes yes so i'm the chapter lead for the atlanta pink boots society Um, that's a relatively thank you it's a relatively new role um our chapter had for a variety of reasons um, completely understandable wasn't as active as other chapters, so towards the end of last year, we were actually in danger of losing the Georgia chapter of Pink Boots, and yes, so we had, uh, you know, a group of us that stepped up and said, "Okay, we'll keep it going. We'll step into these leadership positions, and uh, make sure that it is, a, you know, an active group going forward," um, which has been great. I have a really fantastic team that works with me. That you know, we've had planning meetings, we've discussed you know how do we make our local chapter how do we continue this effort to be more inclusive and more equitable and get more women involved Uh, and then also you know since since it's kind of a rebuilding chapter showing that yes we have a, a planned content for the rest of the year and, you know, and kind of winning back that trust of people who may have been members before. And then when the chapter went inactive, didn't really know whether they needed to, you know, whether they wanted to join or not, if they saw value in it. Um, So it's really important to me as a chapter lead. I don't ever expect people to join something just, just because, right. Like you don't have to be in pink boots just because you're a woman in the fermentation industry. I want you to see value and gain value from being a member. Uh, And that is so much more meaningful to me than, you know, just, just signing up because you're, you happen to fit this affinity group. Um, but continuing to gain that value from your membership.
0: I think that's incredible because when I when when I first heard that you were going to be the chapter lead, I was like, oh my gosh, perfect. Because <laughs> the thing that I love about Pink Boots is there are so many resources. There's so many things we can do. But then before, I just didn't feel like it was really accessible women learning how to join because it was like, oh, you have to be in the beer industry already. But it's like, well, wait, but what if they want to get into the beer industry like how do we get them involved so knowing that you're in charge of it just gives me so much more just trust in the system for what's (laughs) happening there because i love pink Boots society it's an amazing organization and now something's going to happen with it that's not just a you know obligatory brewery brewing the beer um every year right and being like oh yeah we love women sure we did this hop blend so (laughs) i think that's great exactly And, and then our last meeting that we just had so much fun. And I think you guys made such a good call. Y'all were just like, hey, we're just going to have a beer and talk with everybody, which was right. great. And you went over the basics, but it was, it was so needed. I think all of us are so drained with what's happening. And also just moving forward. So you have your podcast, which is really informative and really great. And Pink Boot Society, AHA, you know, new job on the horizon. What are you hoping happens moving forward? What are some of like, what would be like your top three hopes for things that are gonna change moving forward in the beer industry?
4: I think uh, my one, my number one hope is that from a, a consumer perspective, this is going to have to be consumer driven, right? As consumers in the beer industry, we're going to have to continue to ask questions and to allocate our dollars according to the conclusions we draw from that. And that, you know, that can be any number of things, um, about, you know, what is the most important to you and allocate your dollars accordingly. There are, you know, there are breweries that I I don't patronize. I don't buy their beer, mm-hmm. uh, because I don't agree with, you know, either moves they've made it as, as a business or, you know, whatever kinds of like causes they might be supporting. And I understand that not everybody is like that, but right. I think as, consumers, it is so important to understand how much power you really have in dictating, um, driving your brands, your favorite brands into the, you know, into directions that you would like to see them go. Right. So I hope that this is something consumers remain aware of. Right. And I would say my, the, and, you know, continuing to demand change, I would like to hope that employees understand how powerful they really are. Uh, You know, there's, there's a big fiction in the, the power within the, the upper levels and the top tiers. And if you think about it, particularly right now, breweries having a very hard time, uh, not just breweries, but the service industry, having a hard time finding people to hire. There's a lot of power in saying people don't want to work for you, do it, do a better job. And if you say that you can't afford it, figure it out, you know, figure out how to afford it. And make those changes so i hope employees learn how powerful they can be and learn to be able to stand up and say it is not okay that you've created this culture and who do i go to to for this accountability and transparency right. and then continuing to hold all of those people accountable um and then i think my you know my third hope is that breweries understand that a lot of people are watching Right. And we'll be asking those kinds of questions. And your answer should be, yes, we instituted everything we said we did. And we've learned this, this and this about our company and about our leadership. And here are the steps we're taking to remediate this. Um, It's not just hiring third party HR. Like that's I, I keep hearing so many people say, Oh, yes, we'll hire third-party HR. And it's like, that's great. That's that's part of it. What do you do after you get these reports back from your third-party HR? What does that, like, you can have anonymous reporting all you want, but if you're not showing your employees that you're taking demonstrable action based on what they're saying is happening, then what is the point of third-party HR? What actually changes? That's Um, such
0: a good point. That is such a good point because it, you know, that makes the initial reporting actually happen and have record of it. So that way women aren't forced to just be taken at their word. But then what are you guys doing about it? Like, is that manager exactly. that did this going to be reprimanded? Is this person going to still work here? So I think that's an amazing point.
4: Right. And so, you know, those I, those are really my three hopes for that is the the customers realize their power the employees realize their power, and the employers realize that people are watching and expecting them to be accountable.
0: I am just, you are just like the most ultimate badass I just know. <laughs> and I mean, every time I've been around you, I'm just like, oh, I want like an ounce of your badass in me. So <laughs> well,
4: thank you. I appreciate it.
0: It's just, it's, it's just so amazing and inspiring. And just thank you for everything you're doing in this industry, everything you're doing to help pave the way for other women who are, whether you're interested in beer or you genu- genuinely want to have a profession in this industry, you just, at all levels, you make it really, really attainable. And I just really appreciate everything
4: that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I definitely appreciate that. And yes, you know, one message, anyone listening, is that this, inform- all of this is accessible to you. You have access. Uh, there are a lot of people who greatly benefit from making it seem like you don't, uh, but you absolutely do.
0: Awesome. And then what is the Instagram handle to follow for you?
4: At under the Genfluence.
0: Great. And then that's where you can go to her Instagram and you can see her very public resignation letter. Perfectly stated every line in there. I I was crying by the end of it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so incredible.
1: (laughs) I cried my way through
0: it. I I imagine. Oh my gosh. It's just, you just put so much into what you do. I, I appreciate you and acknowledge you for practicing what you preach and standing up for not just yourself but for others around you and just genuinely trying to make the world a better place so thank you of course thank you for coming on to bitch beer i appreciate you you know i started this podcast three years ago because i enjoyed beer and like drinking it and wanted to learn more and i feel like because of you and other women like you it's made it possible and made made the world of beer just much more attainable and just I, i feel like more people can walk into breweries feeling a little bit more welcome now
2: excellent Et qui tu marie avec un joli fille T'es dans l'écran danger, ça va te la voler Oh allez nous avoir
0: you so much again, Jen. Isn't she amazing? She's just such a badass. I absolutely love her. And like I said, she doesn't just speak out about things. She actually includes steps that other people can take to make things happen. She makes so many opportunities in the industry for other women to get involved, but also knowing their rights and ways that they can just become more knowledgeable in general. She practices what she preaches. We need more women like that in this industry. Next up, we have Joseph Cortez. He is the executive director of the Craft brewers guild he's been on a couple of times before we love joseph he's a good friend of the podcast i consider joseph an ally to female community but also in the beer industry he's really doing a great job of making sure that craft beer breweries have the resources that they need and also that are being well represented in this industry as far as the legal side with everything that he did in our previous episodes with fighting for breweries and the new law changes but also moving forward what he plans to do to make sure that the industry is safer and more inclusive for everybody. hope you enjoy.
2: All
0: right, and I have dear friend of the podcast on Joseph, head of the Georgia Brewers Guild. How are you doing today?
5: I'm doing well, how are you, Caroline?
0: Doing good. Thank you so much for coming on and speaking with me. Um, I know that we've got a lot going on in Georgia beer right now, and uh, what are your thoughts right now how How are you feeling about everything that's come out about the beer industry in general?
5: Sure. well, Caroline, thanks for uh, you know the opportunity to be on with you and um, discuss these important urgent issues. You know, I'll say that um, when i when I heard, and, and when I saw um, what started to come out and what was being shared by, you know, a lot of brave, uh, a lot of brave women and a lot of brave people across the industry uh, nationwide, and um, I think it's it, it was something for me, and I know a lot of folks in the industry that made us stop and pause and. Um, you know, I wanted to listen. I wanted to learn from these voices. It's an opportunity, obviously, for us as an industry, for us as an industry in Georgia, for our organization that leads the industry to, to take stock of these issues and to and to figure out how we can do better, how we can learn, move forward and lead. You know, our industry, our our places are our, our safe places for for all. So that that's really kind of where, where, where my head's been at trying to just uh, take a step back and, and listen and be before we react and then what, what are the next steps for us which I know we're going to be able to talk a little bit about.
0: Right I appreciate that it's it's a tough time right now during this transition because a lot's coming out waiting for the dust to settle so we can take action see what we, what needs to be done see what's the most effective because there's so much that has come out and and I know with breweries they're already working on such paper thin margins. So, you know, I know I've walked into breweries before where they say, oh, this is our HR department. If you have any complaints, submit them right here. And it's a trash can. And I know they say it as a joke and they don't mean any ill intent by it, but also, you know, these breweries just don't really have the resources sometimes to actually have a proper HR department and HR procedures. I think that these issues coming to light is a really big wake up call for a lot of us that we, there has to be something done. So I appreciate you being at the forefront and listening and really seeing what what needs to be done. What do you think are some some good solutions moving forward from the guild's perspective?
5: Yeah, so you know, we're just at the start of this, I think over the past week, it's been clear that there is, you know, a sense of urgency and gravity to these issues. But also, think I and the guild is really want wanting to come at this from a from a standpoint of being deliberative as well in the ways that we can provide trusted professional resources like you mentioned to our members that help them combat these issues and help make sure that all individuals whether employees or customers or any uh, any else who interacts with our industry and our businesses not only feels safe but feels like they have an avenue to address issues when they arise. So, you know, there's a few areas that we're looking at initially here and it's going to take some time. You know, it, we're more focused on on getting it right than doing it fast. Right. Although we do recognize again going back to there being a real sense of urgency and gravity. We we want to be we also want to take this very seriously and recognize that we're not we're not necessarily the experts on this either as an organization. Certainly not myself. Right. Again, going back to three focus areas: staff training. There's clearly a need for enhanced staff training and and resources and guidance on staff training in these areas, mm-hmm. uh, reporting procedures, and then finally effective bystander intervention, which. Ultimately, probably goes back to staff training, customer awareness, kind of a full circle of things that help um, not only our staff, but our and our customers, but our leadership be more aware of these issues first and foremost, but also more aware and better equipped in how they can effectively prevent and handle any issues that arise. So, you know, we're going to be engaging other partner organizations, industry stakeholders, and then probably most importantly for us, subject matter experts on this, in this space of human resources, but specifically how to combat the issues that have specifically been, that have arisen over the past week. Um, Any issues of sexual harassment or, or harassment in general or discrimination, um, whether that be gender or race-based. You know, so many of us know all of the positive elements that make our the craft beer community what it is. We want to make sure that that goes throughout and is the experience for everyone, and that we have a welcoming, safe space for people to gather, for people to work. So those are, those are some of the initial steps that we're taking. Again, this is a, the beginning of a plan, right. the first of, of, I'm sure, what will be many steps. But we know we have a, uh, an obligation to, to lead the industry forward with some actionable steps here
0: i think that's amazing and then um in your position you get to see it from everybody's perspective as the executive director of the guild this is your job you know you're fighting for breweries at the at capitol hill you're doing it on the front lines you're helping breweries join the guild what feedback are you hearing from breweries right now about what direction they want to go in and how they want to tackle this
5: i think i'll I'll speak pretty generally Mm -hmm. and we certainly have had feedback from many of our members and i would say it is by and large come from a place of we want to move forward we want to be better but we want we want those resources and that help to do so as you mentioned you know and this isn't by by no means is this an excuse for bad behavior or bad systems that don't adequately address certain behavior or attitudes or whatever it may be no but you know, you mentioned that a lot of our folks are, are small businesses and operate on razor-thin margins, and I think that also goes to capacity. So, right. you know, we've got to be looking at offering resources that bring outside folks in, and sometimes, you know, that does come at a cost. Right. And it oftentimes does to employ professional resources like we're talking about. But I think those are the decisions that folks are going to have to uh, to look at carefully and say, you know, how do we, if we do not have, if we do not believe that we have a full set of, of tools and resources at our disposal, what are the other things that we can employ and Within our bandwidth, within our capacity, within our our budget, certainly. But I think everybody's taking it very seriously. I'll say that. You know, everybody has their own response and their own approach. But I think the end goal should be the same in that we lead our our industry and our community to a, a better, safer place.
2: Right
0: and it seems like the industry the feedback that you've gotten is that they want change they want a structure and Mm -hmm. like employing some sort of like code of ethics and then they want they do want that those resources to be available to them correct
5: correct cool
0: yeah I mean I think that's just a really great position for you to be in and for Georgia to be in we are still such a new industry for the most part we're growing so quickly so we are in a a Better position than most industries, I think, to be able to employ these changes straight away and, you know, get these things started. As far as the Guild goes, so the Guild is comprised of craft beer breweries. And so your position, you're the executive director of the Guild, and then there's also a board, correct? Correct. So how does a person get themselves on the board? How do they become a board member of the Guild?
5: Sure so um, we actually have a nominations process so to be nominated for the guild board um, you have to be a, a guild a, a, an individual from a guild member brewery anyone in the guild can nominate a member but the only stipulation is is that that you know, one person per membership, so per member brewery or brew pub can be nominated. And the board, of course, you know, is the governing board for the organization, the board that sets the high level direction for the organization, for the guild. So it's a very important role. You know, we're going through nominations right now and we will have elections for those board positions that are that are up for our brewery and brew pub positions uh, in July at our annual meeting. And we've encouraged, you know, we have a nominating committee. Um, And we've encouraged folks out in our in our membership to get engaged and to understand what board leadership entails But that we get folks who are have a willingness a desire to serve and, and, you know, help lead our industry.
0: I think that's amazing. And being uh, I think that process seems pretty transparent as well. And then so when you're nominated, so one person per organization, so basically per brewery. Can be nominated, and then is there? Well, anything... no more than
5: only one, I should say. So that—that's th- the stipulation. It's not necessarily one from every, but you know, no more than one per membership attached to a brewery or brewpub. If that makes sense. No,
0: that makes perfect sense. So that may, that that's great. And then, yeah, um, who can vote on that? Just people? Just is it still just one vote per organization?
5: One vote per organization. Yeah. So Go the ahead. membership is actually attached to the organization,
0: that but of course really we have.
5: Yeah, we have. Of course, there are live. You know, uh, blank brewery or ex brew pub. You know, is not voting without people representing. So there are representatives for each brewery and brew pub that represent their organizations at our meetings, and each each uh, organization gets one vote.
0: That's great. That seems really fair. And then in order to be nominated from your organization, do you have to be like in management or like, is there a stipulation on any job titles for how you get nominated?
5: No, there's not actually. That's great. Um, we have had, I think our board, our board is generally comprised of those in leadership and they're in their, in their brewery or brew pub, um, in their organization, not always owner operators. Sometimes they're Brewmasters or head brewers, but that hasn't always been the case. They oftentimes are in positions of leadership in their organization. You know, they have to to make decisions for the guild on on behalf of their organization. So we certainly do do encourage, um, you know, nominations of folks who, or the nomination of folks who, um, you know, are are well suited in in a position to do that on behalf of their uh, breweries. If that makes sense.
0: That's great. Um, I think that's a pretty clear and transparent process for how to become nominated um what do you want with the guild so it is more male dominated the board and Mm -hmm. everything what sort of steps are you taking to make sure that more women are engaged and are aware of these opportunities
5: i'm glad you asked and we were actually our brains were kind of headed in the right in the same direction there (laughs) with that initial question you know yeah there's no it's evident i mean our board is literally comprised of all men currently and we have a male-dominated industry. Correct. And there are a lot of steps that this conversation over the past week and our response and our steps to this conversation and the issues that have been brought up really do dovetail into a larger conversation that we've been engaged in, certainly in the time that I've been here, being more inclusive and about being more diverse. Mm-hmm. And that includes women. That includes other underrepresented groups within the industry and within the guild. Um, you know, to be more reflective of... Of Georgia, we're the Georgia Craft Brewers Guild.
2: Right.
5: So, you know, as part of this, I think this is also another opportunity for us to elevate and amplify the voices of women in those underrepresented groups. Now I don't have the 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 perfect answer for exactly how we do that, you know, in this in this podcast, but I know <laughs> that we're I know that we're serious about doing it and we're serious about engaging some of those voices as we move forward. We have women, as you know, as this conversation over the past week has made all too clear, there are women in our industry. Right. And we have women in leadership in our industry here in Georgia. Right. Um, We have women brewers. We have women in position, any sort of position you could imagine from You know ceo and owner to Mm -hmm. uh, head brewer all the way down to any staff position that you could imagine so um you know i'm proud to say we have had several women engaged in the guild over the past year in a volunteer capacity at different you know in different ways and and, and i'm proud of that and they've made you know the work that we've done um in my tenure a lot better i'll be frank with you we we would i would have not survived my (laughs) my past year as guild director if it weren't for some very smart, talented, engaged women in our member breweries over the past year. That's incredible. Yeah, the the glaring deficiency is obviously we need um, a more diverse board representation and guild membership representation in general. So, you know, we're serious about engaging in ways where we can, you know, improve in that area. And one way that we're doing so, even before this past week or two, We've had on the schedule for a few months, Dr. J, who I'm sure many of your... I'm
0: so excited. <laughs> yeah,
5: many of your listeners will know we've had her on the books for our July annual meeting as our keynote presentation. You know, she's going to come with a very strong message, I'm sure, of not just, here's my keynote presentation, it all sounds great, and then I'm gone, but here's how you can do better, and here's how you can act as an organization and as a guild. She's, she's been a great resource to, uh, you know, the industry as a whole. Absolutely. Um, but certainly we're looking forward to that. And um, she's been on
0: excellent. the books way before any of this uh, stuff started coming out, correct?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, for yeah. She's, I, she's great. Three or four months now. Yeah. yeah. So we're looking forward to that. And, you know, there's it's a clear opportunity for us to press even more and to lean in even more to this conversation and to the larger conversation of inclusivity and diversity in our industry
0: that's great and I I just appreciate you coming on the podcast and being so open and I mean ever since I met you I feel like every time I see you at any event I always corner you and talk to you about stuff with the guild so you've just I mean from when you started until now you've you've had a lot on your plate you guys have gotten a lot done and just appreciate your hard work and just acknowledging that you know we have um things have to change but not just saying that things need to change not just just doing the ob- obligatory instagram post just explaining right. like that hey we're getting resources together so we're ready for this change i i really yeah. appreciate you leading that and just making sure that georgia is on the forefront of th- of the change that's going to happen
5: Well, Caroline, thanks for what you do um, and the voice that you provide um, in this industry. um, And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you today.
2: Awesome.
0: I appreciate it. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. so much for listening this episode is very close to my heart i used to work in the service industry and i know from experience that we as women are put in positions where our income is dependent on us being submissive in the face of sexism whether by customer or by management it's not fun and i'm glad that things are changing you can see all of the stories that started this movement by following at rat magnet and at Embolden, Act Advance on Instagram. I'm so happy that this change has finally come to the beer world and this is only the start of the conversation. Now, you may be asking yourself, where the fuck can I drink now? (laughs) A lot of us are overwhelmed with these stories and wondering if any place is even safe anymore. Let's start with these steps. As a consumer, before you visit a brewery, look at their Instagram. Are they inclusive? Is their feed full of white dudes or are they inclusive of all demographics? What types of causes do they support? Did they brew the Pink Boots blend? Did they brew Black is Beautiful? And then after they brewed those, what else happened? What other causes are they supporting for women, for African Americans, for all demographics? If they were a brewery named in the stories, how did they react? Were they receptive and are they actively trying to resolve the issue? Did they acknowledge the issue or were they defensive and deny an issue? Or were they completely silent? I don't want this to be a witch hunt against breweries and local businesses. So let's work together to make sure the beer community is safe for everyone. As an employee, there's a huge staffing shortage for the service industry. So if you feel like the company you work for does not create a safe space for you to work and does not align with your ethos, leave. Look for another establishment that is doing the work to make sure this industry is safe for everyone. There's a lot of power in the hands of employees right now. So use it. Imagine being a brewery right now and not being able to find staff. You're gonna be forced to look inward and say, what's the problem here? If you're out getting a beer, please tip at least 20%. It's 2021. 20% is the minimum you should tip. Come at me. (laughs) Please share this episode with a friend and rate and review on your podcast app. It helps other people see this podcast and more people listen to it. And then I can talk about more beer. That's the goal, isn't it? (laughs) I will close out this episode with a positive story that I received from a listener. And this is the perfect scenario when faced with sexism. This listener is a female microbiologist and manages the lab at this particular Atlanta brewery and was behind the bar getting a sample when a customer was talking with the owner about the science behind a popular style of beer. Both are white men. The customer made an incorrect statement about this beer and she corrected the customer. He snapped at her and said, what gives you the right to correct me on this? And before she could even respond, the owner, also a white man, jumped in and snapped back saying her PhD in microbiology is what gives her the right and she's 100% correct. And then he continued to let her explain to the rude customer why he was wrong. Ah, that's amazing. I saw this story and I was so happy. Cause yes, the negative stories are out there, but it is really nice to hear and know that there are good people out there. There's hope. This is what should always happen when sexism is witnessed. If you witness something, say something. People won't always remember what you say, but they'll remember the way you make them feel. And if you make someone feel like a fucking idiot, they're way less likely to do that thing again. So that's just my take. (laughs) Thank you all so much for your support and for listening. Also, if you have a woman in your life, buy her a beer. Cheers.
2: Have I been sleeping? I've been so still, afraid of crumbling Have I been careless? Dismissing all the distant rumblings Take me where I am supposed to be To comprehend the things that I can't see Cause I need to move as a child i danced like it was 1999 my dreams were wide the promise of this new world would be mine